Hey, everybody, the Vintage Strength Games are coming to Clayton, North Carolina on June 2nd to the 4th. June 2nd to the 4th. Go to VintageStrengthGames.com for more information and to sign up. Also, make sure you go on Facebook and you join the Vintage Strength Games Facebook group. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I got Kelly Manzone with me. It was three years ago, Kelly, uh, that we did our first podcast. It was episode number 14 for anybody who wants to go check that one out. Do you remember that day? I barely remember anything from the past three years, but <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> right. That's the one thing you remember because it was that memorable. <laughs> it was fun. I enjoy these podcasts. And I just listened to um, the one with Tom and Paul when they were released. Those were awesome. And I've, yeah. I've, I've tuned into quite a few, but there was a time in the pandemic when I was like podcast crazy and then I needed like a detox. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and when I podcasted with Paul and Tom, your name came up a bunch of times. I'm sure you you heard that. And I was like, I got to get her back on. You know, you're um, you're, you're it, it's good to get you back into the soup of this mm. right after we get those guys on because you have that connection with them. And um, I remember we were talking about your your collection. Uh, in the oh, podcast. And, and it continues to grow. <laughs> yeah. So what's behind you is just the tip of the iceberg, right? Totally. Um, I now I I counted recently, I've got over 40 maces. And so my back seat of my car now is like where the overflow go. And then my porch. I my husband got me a massive lockbox years ago. So I've got like a bunch of maces in there and kettlebells and extra stuff. And I really love, I got the Hanumangada from the Great Indian Workout, and that is a fun swing. I think that's one of my new favorites. It's it's great. Wait, what's the Great Indian Workout? So uh, he's in India, and actually Tom met him, I believe, when he was over there. Um, so this is a 9kg, so it's just about like 20 pounds. And it's a phenomenal swing. Wow. I really enjoy it. He put my name on it and it's got like his uh, logo right here. It's probably challenging to see on the video. But um, because it's made out of wood, you know, the handle kind of is light like bamboo, but just the dome shape, like the, the dimensions, like this is pretty large. And so it has such a interesting feedback to the body. And being like a shorter gata versus, you know, the other ones that I typically swing. And I just, I find it really fantastic. It's a great tool. Yeah. You know, I, I remember when I went to your workshop back when uh, I first started getting into all this and I was just firing the podcast up. That's how we met. And that's how yeah. I got you to come on. Um, but I took your workshop and I do believe that was the first day that I swung a 20 pound steel mace. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's something I do regularly now, but I remember like, all right, here we go. Into it. It's fantastic to see the journey. Yeah. And, and I, and then uh, there was a wooden uh, gata there, a bamboo pole gata yep. somebody had, I don't know if it was yours or somebody brought it, I, but. I brought a few, but I believe, um, right. oh gosh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. He brought, I think he had a Sorensen gata with him. Um, Ken, yeah, didn't he? Ken have, Potus. He, he brought, um, yes, he brought a gata. 
Yes, that's right. It was like a 19 pound God. But then I remember you gave us you gave us um, Goddess to use, and I never really swung one. And I remember you were talking about the organic feel, and then you <laughs> talked about how uh, gripping it, you were you were almost just gripping it with your skin. Which I was like, wow, that is good. That was such a cool little cue. That came from Paul because of Indian clubs, just how you start to connect with your, you know, not over gripping and that feel of like the tactility of the skin. And it's almost like with certain bamboo, it's like kind of like honey or like Spider-Man, like on a wall, you just start to connect to that. So you don't have to like death grip all the time. And that's why I like to alternate in the learning process when I'm teaching somebody, Go if they only own a steel mace, I alternate swingata, go back to the steel, swingata, go back to the steel. And then they start to relax their grip and bring that feeling to the steel mace. Ah, that's a good idea. Cause it's kind of harder to do that with steel, right? It's not as friendly feeling on the hand, I guess, is a good I way. I think also the, the, the concentration of where the, the majority of the weight is, is different. And also the length of the mace that you're using. Cause for the most part, a lot of like the standard steel maces kind of on um, most people come up to like the belly button, whereas the goddess typically come up to like chest height so that you get that extra feedback. And then you could kind of mimic the feedback once you go back to the steel and get that to like, okay, I need to let that pendulum feel flawless in the backswing. I don't need to over grip or, or try to slow the pendulum or that slight counterbalance. So they complement one another really nicely during the learning process. Wow, that's really cool. Now, I know you have a workshop coming up on March 18th, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Mm -hmm. But I just wanted to uh, go a little bit deeper into your equipment here and everything. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if somebody in the United States was interested in purchasing a, a jewelry or a Mugdar, uh, one of these wooden units, who would you recommend? Well, um, the, these jewelry that I had made, Tom and I actually, Tom was awesome. He found, you know, I don't know if you know this, but we're uh, like two towns apart. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I connected true. that when we were yeah. talking and I think he mentioned you. And then I, I realized I was like, yeah, she's in Connecticut and he's in Connecticut. I'm like, yeah. oh my God. And it was so random how like we connected. I guess he followed me on Instagram. And one day I dropped my phone and I just picked it up and it was like open on Instagram. <laughs> and I clicked on his page and I was like, holy shit, he's in Connecticut. Wait, he's in Fairfield. So we were in the same town at the time. And I just reached out and I was like, Hey, I'm like on my own Island over here swinging stuff. And then so that's how, you know, gosh, I think it's like five or six years of friendship now, but he found a local wood turner in orange Connecticut to turn these gorgeous jewelry. And these are the, um, the, um, what is the word that I'm looking for? Uh, it'll come to me, but, uh, Paul sells them. So he template, so Templates. template, yeah, came from Paul. And I thought they were going to be a little lighter than they are because I'm only 5'7", and they come up to about my chest height, and they're 12 kg a piece. But I'm very comfortable swinging, like, one of them, and I'm going to, after I compete um, in two weeks in kettlebell sport, my goal this summer is to get back to swinging the jewelry because I could do a few reps with both, but they, it needs a lot of cleaning. It's a lot. It's the most challenging, I think, that I've tried in the circular training, just okay. for the sheer size. And those are 12 kg? 
a piece yeah so, so 25 pounds yeah the one's like a slightly heavier by like a half a pound yeah oh what really oh, that's yeah. interesting okay yeah. And, um, so that's the, if, I don't know if there's a connection to get the large jewelry from India. I mean, just the, the cost of shipping alone or just like the sheer size, but the great Indian workout, it, he has mudgars. So does, um, the shredded farmer. And, yeah. um, I just got these gorgeous embroidered, um, Indian clubs from India, um, I think he his is the traditional Indian workout. He did change his name on Instagram, but I think that's the current one. Um, and he does have mudgars also. There's a few other vendors. What I could do is when we um, put this podcast out, I could link, you know, the the sources in like the description below to help people connect. Okay, yeah. They want to get it from India. All right, that's a good idea. Uh, yeah. So the, um, the plans that, uh, that Paul has, you buy those plans and then you, you take them to, a somebody I mean, who can make them. Yeah. Finding a, it's a kind of a dying art wood turning. Like right now, Paul is actually, um, turning me a custom pair of Persian meals, um, using his template and he's going to burn them and stain them. So they're going to be very similar to the ones that he's been, um, posting recently with, um, so I'm very excited about that because he's near and dear to my heart and being able to kind of have handmade tools from my mentor is pretty fantastic. So I'm excited. They'll be, yeah. I think, 30 inches tall and like roughly about 10 or slightly over 10 pounds um, a meal. Wow, that's nice. So um, if somebody wants to order Jory's or Mugdar and they're, they're inexperienced with it, how would you uh, recommend they first- go about it? Gosh, I think the first thing is getting, um, you know, a, a tool that is maybe more tangible and, and affordable to get at first. You know, as you know, like you kind of go down the rabbit hole when you start with like a mace and all of a sudden your collection just starts to breed. <laughs> like it's like, oh, my gosh. So I would work on maybe beginning with like a pair of, you know, Indian clubs and seeing, you know, getting that midline crossing, working on the grip, even like possibly like here in the States, it's more accessible to get uh, a steel club or, you know, like uh, uh, Herrick Sport has the, um, let me grab this real quick, the Paul Vandal XL. And this is one of actually my personal favorites. And inside I ha- it's filled with metal shot and um, pea pellets that are used in gardens. So you could weight this and, and have it grow with you. So you could start with um, a couple of pounds working on like single club work, and then you could um, easily add weight to it. So it's adjustable. Wow. So that's something yeah. that's like, you know, um, if you're brand new to it, start with the basics of circular training and then grow into it. And then as you start to gain experience or more knowledge, then you could kind of expand your practice and your tools. Yeah. And then uh, I would I would assume maybe you offer uh, online. This podcast is brought to you by addxclub.com. Addxclub.com for adjustable steel mace and adjustable steel club. Have you seen these things? Have you checked them out? Go to addxclub.com and take a look at what they have. These are state-of-the-art 
mace technology at its finest made in the USA. Look at the Adex Arc. It's in between lengths of the clubs and the mace. So the, the club is the shortest, the arc is the next longest, and then the mace is the longest. But most people only train with either clubs or mace. How often do they go with an in-betweener? Technically, a arc is nothing more than a bulva, a short mace. Uh, but we don't call it that because we call it the arc. So go check it out. Check out everything there. And when you place your order, tell Don Fred sent you. Classes or coaching? Well, I, yeah. So most of the people who reach out to me virtually for coaching are fellow fitness professionals. Um, I do have two people that I'm training right now who are not fitness professionals, but um, typically it's somebody within the, the field and they're looking for a certain skill. My day-to-day, -day, I train here in Connecticut. I have got in-person clients at the gym, and then I also have in-home clients that I see, and then the workshops, and then uh, the virtual. So it's a little bit of everything, and I really enjoy it. Oh, I know you do. Yeah. I went like <laughs> taking your uh, workshop a few years ago. That was, um, I saw how much you enjoyed it. You, you like just blew up that room with your, with your loving of the modality I, and everything. I love people and I love the training yeah. tools. And uh, we had that, yeah, that, that was a pretty full room in that space yeah. and we made it work. I was like, oh, it's just going to be tight, but it worked. Yeah. Well, the, my favorite story about you from that day is um, that you were, you had a lot of people, like you just said, you were in the front, you know, engaging and you were able to like, you know, I was in the back, you know, I was always, I always hide in the back everywhere ever since I was in school and you saw me and you said, nah, you got to do a little bit better than that. <laughs> I think that's the 20 years of being a fitness instructor. So I've, I've taught group fitness for 20 years on top of the personal training. So it's like always having like eyes in the back of your head. And then I think it's right. also like mom mode too. Like my eyes are everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Once you develop that skill, it just doesn't go away. It doesn't. And yeah. I feel like it kind of sharpens over time. And having the contrast of when you're training somebody virtual, you really need to kind of be, uh, I don't know, you got to use your eyes more. You got to really like dial in. And I think that carries over into the in-person and vice versa. Yeah. I, I was, you know, when COVID hit, I was coaching people mm -hmm. over Zoom. And in the beginning, I was frustrated i was not good at it but then you start learning different ways to coach people like you come yeah. up with different cues and different questions right yep and the camera flips you so if you're you know on your right side you got to tell them your left and you say you know like you just kind of mirror it and that helps a lot right and then also you know having i think one of the awesome things about technology and then if you're training somebody virtual, and you already know this, I think, from just your experience, is when you film yourself, you get so much feedback when you watch it back. So I'll always have people like film their practice, send it to me on WhatsApp or through, um, you know, text message. And that way I could kind of dissect it and see it a little bit closer versus like sometimes the Zoom has like that little 
you know, like the wave that comes across and the person glitches. Yeah. So this way you're able to kind of make sure, okay, I did see that before. So you have to, you know, find ways to kind of work around the the glitches with Zoom sometimes. So now tell us about your workshop coming up on March 18th. The one on March 18th is just a two-hour virtual. One co when COVID hit, I did a lot of virtual workshops in the beginning, and I like what was what was really enjoyable. I got to meet a lot of cool people. I would cap them at like six to eight, um, and I hadn't done one in a while. And as you know, with like the inboxes on Instagram, I have like three inboxes, and so sometimes it's hard to kind of keep track of all the messages that come in, whether, you know, so I had a couple of inquiries of like, well, I'm not in your area. Do you have anything that's like a virtual workshop? And I was like, well, I used to do them because so they saw them on my stories that, you know, how you have it in like the highlights. And so I decided to, to do another one. And it's basically geared towards people who have maybe have had little to no coaching. They uh, purchase a mace and they don't quite know where to begin. You know, I'll, oftentimes I'll get people who send me a DM and they're like, hey, you know, I've been following you for a while. I've been self-taught. Do you mind if I send you a video of my swings? And, you know, that way you could kind of help that. So it's basically geared towards helping people learn how to properly grip their mace, the proper rack, how to cast the mace head. And because uh, it's only two hours, primarily focusing on cleaning up the 10 and two in the 360 and how you could progress those. So whether you go um, in into steel mace flow or a combination of the both or traditionally swing, the baseline, you still need to know the 10 and two and the 360 for transitions. So that's what it's gonna cover. Okay, and uh, is it, uh, like how long is it for? It's from 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and I've got two slots left. Um, and it's for $99. And then after that, the recording is available for 30 days. And in the follow-up email, I sent like some slow motion links so people could watch like the cast of the mace head front side view, you know, uh, see in slow motion kind of how you counterbalance away from the mace head, uh, you know, just finer details. And then um, some priming patterns, much like we did in the workshop um, in New Jersey, I just have some mobility suggestions on how to like mobilize before you swing and um, then some suggestions for training protocols. So, you know, that people could follow or not follow because some people are more intuitive with their practice. Some people are time focused. Some people are rep focused. So it's just a suggestions of that for the learning process. Okay. And you say you have two spots left. So uh, yeah. by, I mean, this, th I'm going to get this up probably to tonight or tomorrow so maybe That's by awesome. the time people actually listen to it there won't be two spots left yeah, we'll see you never know i haven't done one in a while i'll do one again yeah. but i appreciate the support and then um i'll be back out on the road for some workshops two in june and um one in july where are you going on those uh, June 3rd, actually, me and Monica are collaborating together. We're going to do Indian Club and Mace Workshop outside of Philadelphia. I think it's Morrisville at Remedy Fitness. Um, we just got the link up. That's in my link tree. And then um, the following weekend, I'm going to go back to MSC Strength in um, Massachusetts in Weymouth to Tina's place 
doing a part two. So it's going to be Indian club and mace, and it's going to be kind of progressing what I did in the first workshop. So on the steel uh, mace or gata portion, it's going to be progressing to like, uh, you know, a hand-to-hand -hand switch, single arm swings, sagittal swings, just kind of to, to progress the practice. And then I've got um, two workshops, a Saturday and Sunday out in LA. So I have to get that link up. That's going to be July 16th and 17th. <coughs> okay. Me. Yeah. Nice. So uh, the when people sign up for the workshop, um, where where do they go to the to a website? Well, right now I have all that in my my um, because it depends on who is setting up the link, whether I'm doing it, right, the host or like the collaborator. So that's where I I find the link tree. Excuse me, <clears throat> super helpful because you know it all depends. Yeah. Um, I have to, and I'm not that tech savvy. <laughs> yeah, right. You. You yeah. swing, you swing ancient, you know, exercise equipment and stuff, and <laughs> and and you train people. Like doing tech stuff is just annoying for people like you. It's challenging for me. Like yeah. I, I could definitely utilize my website a lot better, and I would say that's you know an adulting goal for 2023 is to get better at utilizing my website. But you know, there's only so much time in a day. And now that my son is 13, I, I think you have teenagers too, right? I, I have a nine-year-old. She's not quite there oh, yet. Okay, but... not quite there. Don't rush the process. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like his schedule is so busy right now. So between my schedule and training and prepping for competition and that, I'm like, I think sometimes when you just like love what you do and you put good energy out, the good yeah. vibe, it comes back and I could probably be you know, more efficient with everything, but you know. Yeah, that's, you're, that's totally true. I've talked to a lot of people nowadays um, doing this podcast and I'm learning that a lot. I hear what you just said so many times. Um, you don't really have to post on social media 7,000 times and, and do much in that area to get customers, to get clients. Um, and most of the people I talk to, it's like word of mouth, they yeah, have a core group of people that just love that you know whoever the coach is, whatever's going on there. That it's their thing, it's their vibe. I just uh, talked to one who um, reached out to his group and said, "Listen, he's you know this guy's not tech savvy either," and he said, "Listen, you know I'm kind of stumbling right now because I have to do these things that I'm not really good at doing, and I want to keep training you guys." And a bunch of his people stepped up. And help awesome. them out. They were like, "Hey, we don't yeah. want we don't want to see this thing fail. So, what? Where can we help?" And he was like, "Well, I kind of got to juice up my website a little bit." And when, you know, guy raises his hand. Oh, I'll do that. And you know, um, that's a testament right there to you, oh, you know no. what what kind of training a uh, person's getting. So now, Kelly, how long have you actually been coaching the you know rotational movement and stuff like that? I know I probably asked you that in episode fourteen, but I don't oh, remember what you said. Uh, I mean, if you want to, like, I've been in, this will be my 20th year in the fitness industry. So I started when I was 23. I'm 43 now. What? Like, how does that happen? Like, wow. <laughs> it's like bizarre. Um, and I feel very blessed that, like, I've been, uh, my husband is super supportive. 
And I've been able to, this is my living room and I've been able to expand my, my practice over the 20 years and dive deeper. My love for kettlebells really started in like 2006, 2007. And then I got certified in 2008. So I've been coaching kettlebells since then. And I think the kettlebell at that time with uh, Anthony, Anthony Delugio, I think I mentioned this in the first podcast. I like, I have the Balabas that he put out uh, through art of strength. Like, so I bought all the, the vintage equipment that Anthony had produced. So I had two steel balabas, the, the, so short maces that were shot loadable from him. And I remember swinging them when I was pregnant and I like wrote like a, a blog for him during my pregnancy. Um, and then I got my first pair of like polyurethane Indian clubs from him then. And then after that, um, I got pregnant, I had my son and kind of dialed back a little bit. And then I would say it's been in like the past like seven or eight years where I just kind of went down the rabbit hole in the collection, just <laughs> the knowledge and just learning and connecting with people expanded from there. Yeah. I love blending both worlds. Go to sleepymonkeytrainingacademy.com to turn your pain into power. I think there's so much to learn from other cultures and historical practices, and there's um, a real benefit to blending the two worlds together with modern, you know, approaches. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been really interested in learning about, you know, uh, fitness and, and, and training for war and everything like that, like from, from the Eastern side of things um especially after reading tom belinge's book mm -hmm. war yoga a good um, writer yeah and did, did did you check out that book did you read I it? Have it. Yeah. yeah and i just got the one that ben miller put out recently too and that's um physical cultural historians he's awesome yeah yes right yeah, yeah. so that, so those guys sprang up too right i'm glad you mentioned that and um I'm like, wow, th th this is fascinating. So, I mean, you, you've been in the game for a while, and and I would like to hear what you got to say about what you know history-wise on this type of training, you know, um, coming out of Persia and, and, and India, and even, like, maybe if you know anything about uh, European, like, medieval times or whatever. Um, I have to say, I don't know much about, like, European med medieval times. Okay. Um I primarily uh, Persia and then India, um, and I've like I have a lot of Iranian support, which is fantastic, and um, I communicate daily with um, Zirkane athletes. And Tom just came back from his trip, you know, uh, from Iran. He's I think he's going to be releasing another book, but I don't know when, so I don't want to say too much. And I, I've learned a lot from, from Paul, you know, Paul's been putting out content on both uh, cultures, India and Iran for over a decade now. Um, but now having the, that's another bright light about um, the, the pros. Uh, there's many cons with sometimes with media and technology, but the pros is being able to connect with people from, the other side of the world and you might not speak the same language, but you respect one another. And I've long believed that movement is its own language and it could bring people together. And I think there's a lot to learn from one another. And I've been fortunate to just, 
you know, uh, get a little bit of the history, but also, you know, um, in when I get messages from India, for example, in Varanasi, I think, is the only area where they do the, the jewelry competitions. And um, modern gyms now are much more prevalent in both India and Iran. So I love when I get a message of like, you know, thank you. This is a dying art in our, you know, in my area. It's really nice to see somebody from the West embracing this practice and sharing it. Like, I think that's pretty fascinating. So there's been like a, a shift where our bodybuilding or, you know, whatever's kind of come out of the, the West is going to the East and vice versa. Right. Sorry, my allergies are driving me nuts. We, the, I don't know if you could hear, but all like, I live in a, in a condo complex and all the lawn guys are out here, like uh, cutting, cutting the lawns. <laughs> yeah. Are so you, I apologize. <laughs> no, that's all right. If you, if you have to, you know, take a quick break or something like that, you know, oh, we could... it's all good. I, I did the flow naze. It's just, you know, the season's starting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's right. Yeah. It's March. It's, it's all going to start kicking in now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, this is interesting. Like you just said, how the the like so the bodybuilding stuff, all that is kind of like really blowing up out in the in the Middle East and areas like that. And and meanwhile, here in the United States, there's more of a interest in, in jumping into these older forms of training and and you know doing unconventional and and all that. Like bodybuilding kind of got tired over here in the U.S. Right. I don't know if it's gotten tired. I think it's all like with where your interests are and, you know, like also what you're exposed to. And if you're scrolling on any device, it's going to feed you what you're interested in. No. So you might not be as aware because it's not just put into your day to day. I think it's still very much prevalent, but I do think that people like, you know, yourself and Paul, all the people in the community of, you know, the vast array of circular training, whether it's an Indian club, a steel club, to the mudgars and jewelry, you know, the list goes on and on into the steel mace or gata. The more that people share, the more it gets out there, the more people are like, oh, that piques my interest. I'm going to try it. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's, there's been a big push for interest because now people are being more exposed to it and you know once they pop on a device and they could go on an app and they see it yeah right. and then of course within like the gym and stuff but you know um i'm the only one at my gym that of the employees that swings a a steel mace or any circular training tool for that matter does anybody that that works at your gym do they ask you about it or they don't want to know. Really supportive. Um, you know, I've I've kind of showed a few people, but it's it depends on what you're interested in. You know, I like I like blending both worlds, and I have clients that are swinging clubs and swinging you know goddess. I have one of my goddess that actually Tom made. I leave it at the gym, and then I've got like my adexes over there, um, and then I've got a few others in my car. So it's dependent, you know, on on the individual and what their their interests are. And you keep I, the what's that? You keep the adex at the gym because uh, you because it's you like, adjustable. Yeah, so it's just like that, kind of like one piece in a way. Yeah, so it doesn't take up a lot of space, right. and you know it's easy to unscrew if somebody if I, if I got to dial back the weight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, do Do you see 
uh, the, the continuing of this modality expanding more? Because um, it, it did since we last talked three years ago. A lot more people have jumped into it. And um, do you do you think it's just going to continue to keep going up like this? And do you think it's going to become even you know like oh, we're going to walk into gyms anywhere and there's going to be one or two people training mace uh just about anywhere like we see kettlebell or it's always going to kind of uh like demographic i think it depends on like location so i'm in fairfield county i live in southport but i'm right on the border of westport and i work in westport and kettlebells is still kind of a niche tool in this particular area versus if i pop on the train and i go into new york because i'm so close most of my clients commute Get yourself some sandbags or some weight vests or some cool fitness apparel at freedomstrength.us. Go to freedomstrength.us. When you make your purchase, use the discount code SMN10 to receive your discount. You know, uh, I recently, a, a few months back, I just popped in to meet a friend who was visiting New York and we went to Motive. They've hosted me for a workshop in the past. And we took a kettlebell class together. You know, like um, people are aware of kettlebells in town and I teach my clients kettlebells and I make coworkers that are, are kettlebell savvy coach. They're, you know, people with kettlebells, but it's not as well known or used still. A lot of the, that's, this has been an interesting thing over the years here. I don't know in your area, but like a lot of the franchises have come into town. So now there's like Orange Theory, F45, you know, Club Pilates, yeah. Cycle, you know, the list goes on and on. And for a small town, there's like a lot out there right now. Yeah. Franchise. And so I kind of am a little bit of anomaly. You know, I'll run into somebody that used to take my classes. Oh, there's Kelly and her kettleballs. And I'm like, kettleballs. <laughs> you know like and and my co-workers and my clients are super supportive when i travel like i just got back from north carolina i created a course in collaboration with original strength so i did a test run um this past weekend and it's a, it's, a, it's a lot of fun i'm lucky i get to do what i love yeah that's why it's so fascinating to talk to you because um i i think it's i think you're right a lot of people are just going to gravitate toward these these cookie cutter type gyms because they 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 don't have time. They just need to to snap in real quick, uh, have somebody tell them what to do, and th then just go home and eat like lettuce or something. I I don't know, but <laughs> I'm not making fun of anybody. But you know, I think there's people out there though that don't want that, and they want they want an experience, and you do. Uh, deliberate experience when you start training with the kind of equipment that's behind you, right? It, yeah. Um, you know, I, and to go back to your question about, do you think it's going to be more prevalent? I do think so. I was just having a conversation with Monica and realizing, you know, it not that long ago, it was not, you know, um, unknown to like go into a gym and see a rack of Indian clubs hanging there. You know, now you could go into a gym and see a stand full of steel maces. So it is happening. It's yeah. just, you know, I think demographically and just like where you are or, or kind of the culture of the town or that that you're in, a, you know, what it, people's interests are. But it's sort of happening from like within versus like somebody coming and like opening up like, a, you know, I, I hate to use the overused word of unconventional training 
facility, yeah. but you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, it's, it's happening within and then it, it's most, organic. Yeah, that's great. Yes, it is organic. And then that's what I also love about having these offerings, whether it's virtual or in person, I get such an array of people that come to attend a, a workshop. So, you know, they're from all walks of life and ages and it's, you know, and, and it's fantastic. So I think the interest is there. Now it's people like you and I and the various others in the community who kind of fill in, in the gaps because people are purchasing these tools and it's not always easy to find access to, to education to learn how to use them. Yeah. I think it's becoming easier, obviously, now. But still, right. a lot of people don't have access to it. Right. And um, when, when it comes to, I don't want to say impressing people, um, that's not what we're doing, but how do we bridge the gap? Like, you know, when, you, when you're in a gym, like such as yourself, you know, you you're a coach and you're like, Hey, I'm going to coach here. And I'm going to do the, I'm going to do this May stuff. And every other coach in there is like looking over like, yeah, I don't know what that is. How do you, how do you bridge the gap? How do you get those people? Because you know why they'll say stuff like, well, that type of training's cool and all, but it's not going to make you have the biggest muscles and it's not going to, you know, it's going to be like adding extra onto something we don't need to have. So like, what do you say to that? I think in my personal experience, because I can only speak for myself, I I think, you know, by demonstration, so you go in and you do as you do, and people observe, obviously you're staying safe, so like injury-free, you know, like still showing up, still doing the, the tools, but also striking up conversation, and, all, you know, and I think sometimes People know that these tools are from, uh, you know, have a rich history, but they need to also see it in modern applications of, you know, we're not in war times like that anymore where we're training that way. It's like, obviously, training for war or training for wrestling has changed. Well, you know, speak for yourself. I'm, after I get done with this, I'm going out. I got a whole... Uh, army I have to fight in the street with my mace. Well, yes. I mean, you're a firefighter too, but I'm saying just in general, like it, it, it's shifted and changed over yeah. time. So it's to, to, to have a conversation about how it could be blended into their current practices where it could be attainable. So, you know, um, the midline crossing, rotational strength and power, reflexive strength and control, we all know that a stronger grip equals a stronger heart, you know, um, diving into that sensation of having the tools that you use become a, a seamless extension of the body, that, that dexterity and tactility. Um, and I think that's what these tools offer. And if you're somebody who's doing a lot of linear patterns, like I'm doing like, oh my God, I looked at my Monday kettlebell sports set and I was like, oh, I got like two, two minutes of long cycle, an eight minute set, a four minute set, accessory work, all that overhead. My body craves club swinging and may swinging after that. So if you're somebody that's a, a power lifter, or Olympic lifter, or you do traditional barbell or kettlebell work without rotation, and it's pretty linear, these tools just, they they fill in the gaps for me. I feel like, so if it's just making it accessible and just kind of having a dialogue with somebody and sharing your personal experience and how it's benefited you. And then if 
you get to the point where you, you know, I think I've done six years or so of my own workshops. And so I've gained knowledge as I've traveled and worked with different people and like, and just sharing what I've picked up along the way. Yeah. That's a good answer that it fills in the gaps. And, and, you know, I think I asked that question a lot just because I'm trying to prove a point. <laughs> I, got, yeah. I, I am just, I keep grinding at the wheel. You know, um, the other, the other thing, um, I always ask, you know, like, oh, you know, so you swing a mace, I guess you have destroyed shoulders then, you know, to try to dispel that myth. But um, yeah, it fills in the gaps. And a lot of, uh, you know, coaches like you um, say this all the time. And don't, wouldn't you say like swinging a heavy club around and doing stuff like that, the movement patterns, the way you have to um, position your body, doesn't it develop a ruggedness that is just unmatched by anything else? I don't know. For In my case, I just feel like um, capable, like sustainable. I feel like I'm going to be able to move well for the long haul. You know, like I just feel uh, now I'm entering my mid forties. That's like, I, you know, and, and I'm not interested in going back in time. I know I want to move well. And so I feel like these tools help me to move well, but uh, there's also that mental aspect that I think makes a lot of us that are in the community, very passionate about these tools is because it's also very therapeutic. There's something about circular patterns that just taps into some sort of like zen mode most of us you know you just kind of like whoo and it's like relaxing even when it's really challenging it's relaxing at the same time yeah i remember in episode 14 when we first spoke you did mention something about crossing that midline and this is why i love doing this podcast because i get to like pick the brains of of people such as yourself and i hear these things and it just sets me off and i'm telling you that's three years ago now and I mention this detail all the time to people. I use it all the time. I talk about this crossing the midline thing. And, um, you know, there's actually, I come to find out there's actually, when people suffer from PTSD, there's this type of work that a therapist will do with somebody. And I can't remember the name of it. Yeah. Um, do you know? No. Does it involve midline crossing? Well, sort of. What it involves is you look to the left and to the right. You you, you look around certain patterns. They tell you to look, and you're supposed I to. Did that my friend Fabian did that on me. Oh, trained to do that, and I experienced it, and it's true because I had a trauma. I was assaulted by my college boyfriend, and he was arrested, put in jail for the night. But he had come across this way and put me in a headlock. And he did that test. So you thing, then you follow like the eyes and everything. And I apparently there was like one side that he could see that my eyes would not follow. And that was a what that was like the PTSD. That was the trauma from that experience that I had had. And he's like, I can't figure out like why is this not, why are your eyes not going here? And I was doing the, it was so interesting, yeah, but I but, experienced that. Yes. Okay. So yeah, the, the therapist said by doing this, it, it resets the brain. Yes. It rearranges that you, cause you're holding trauma and you're reliving yes. the trauma and it resets everything. So 
I asked him, well, what about swinging a mace and crossing your midline? Of course, he didn't know for sure. Yeah. And, you know, there's no research that we know of. Right. Uh, but he says it sounds like, yeah, it definitely would work kind of the same way. Except his disclaimer was if you're not working with somebody that knows how to process it all and sure. you just swing in the mace, it might not do anything. Yeah, but you eye the mace head. Your eyes go, same thing with club swinging, depending on the movement pattern. So that's like where it ties into like the vestibular system and your central nervous system. And like if you're doing an asynchronous pattern, you're actually firing both sides of your brain. So it's kind of like the, the circular training. It has so many like layers to the onion that that's part of the conversation of like how it could benefit people. Like if you're in a room or having a discussion with somebody in the gym, that's kind of, oh, what is it? You know, like, you know, it doesn't have to go down the PTSD route, like what, <laughs> of what we just discussed, but there's many layers there that could be a part of a conversation of a safe way to introduce the, the tools. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of guys, especially in New Jersey, I, I don't know if it's, maybe it's a Jersey thing, but a lot of guys <laughs> go to the gym to take it out on the weights. They got all their aggression. They got to leave it on the floor over there. So, I mean, that's cool. I mean, I'm not, I'm not making fun of that. I've done it too, but, um, I'll do. <laughs> yeah, but you gotta, possibly there's other ways to do that. Right. And maybe, you know, it's not always by doing heavy lifting and stuff. So now you said it's activating both sides of the brain. When you're doing like, uh, for example, like asynchronous, like inward heart shapes, when you have both of your hands doing a separate, pattern or synchronized yes. then the the brain both hemispheres fire so it has to be two different patterns though it can't be you can't have two clubs and go the same direction it has to be I, separate. i'm pretty sure it's like it like i would have to ask paul this but that's why i was just having a conversation with somebody about like there needs to be like you know, we have so many studies on various training modalities and philosophies. Now, these are some of the oldest tools, and yet we really don't have a lot of studies on like what is happening to the body as you're utilizing these tools. And I, I that's partly why I created the course that I just did um, through the pandemic. I and it got shelved for a bit, and now we got the green light and it's going. It's uh, viewing circular patterns through the original strength lens. So original strength kind of goes into the development of how we move when we were first born, the vestibular system, how like we are sensory. Um, and I have always kind of viewed circular patterns through that OS lens of like, great, the exercises are phenomenal, the workout is great, but the, like going back to that, uh, you know, onion, there's so many other layers. And I just wish there was some scientific studies to back up what you and so many people in our community, we experience when we use these tools, you know, that, ah, we need some. Yeah, yeah we need, we need somebody, uh, we'll, we'll volunteer you as the study person because they'll have to hook up all those wires to you, right? And but we also have to get a new person who never even used a club or mace, and they yes. have to do the same, right? Because this is a professional study; it's, we're very scientific here. Um, and then we need somebody to finance it, somebody with a lot of money, and we need scientists. I reached out to Ben um, from Physical Culture Historians a while back because I was like, man, I'm like. 
I wonder if there's ever been like any studies on this stuff. And he said that there really hasn't, it's been mainly like anecdotal, like right. people ourselves kind of sharing what we've experienced. But as you know, these tools continue to gain more popularity and maybe, you know, as they get um, mixed in with other modalities and, and training protocols, maybe there'll be more interest to do that. And I asked Paul about like, when we were specifically talking about India, like I'm, you know, he's like, well, it's just ingrained in the culture and, you know, maybe like there's uh, finance issues of like why there hasn't been a study done yet. So it's just interesting because we have it for so many other training protocols, except for, and if you think back to how we move, you know, we hinge, we squat, we rotate, but we also have been swinging in some form or throwing <laughs> yeah. in some form forever. So that's another going back to like, I just think these tools kind of fill in the gaps of human movement. Yeah. I just um, interviewed Adam Hicks, the shoulder coach. Oh yes. Yeah. He's awesome. So we talked about the same stuff. We talked for a while about it, uh, throwing and, and oh. how important that was the, the fact that we're, our species is still here to this day and everything throwing and, and, Absolutely. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's, and then, you know, we, of course there's sports, there's baseball and things like that where they're throwing and throwing and football where they're throwing. And yet when we train, we don't, um, well, unless you're doing this stuff, you know, you're just pushing a weight around all the time. It's the, it's obviously something that's missing from the whole picture. What I like about the, uh, in you could do sagittal swings with uh, steel mace and with club, but with Indian clubs like sagittal swings or some of the patterns where, you know, your arms are extended and going through the different planes of motion. You know, I, I go back to like how many times people have told me over the years they're driving and they go to grab something in the back seat and all of a sudden they have like a rotator cuff tear from like reaching back, you know, not even like physically grabbing what they were going for yet. Like didn't even touch it. And they've already had, you know, I feel like these tools just build uh resilience in the tendon the tissue the ligaments the joints yes and as we get older you know i, I don't plan on slowing down i just think it's going to be a part of like my my ingredient list my movement menu to just keep strong and healthy yeah i know it's it's for me I, you know i can't prove anything that i'm about to say but i did uh injure my shoulder in a snowboard accident i'm still healing it um and I'm, say again that's a bummer though that you had an injury yeah i landed right on the shoulder and you know the first thing i thought was oh i'm not gonna be able to swing <laughs> but it you know it, it i had torn i have torn lit ligaments and i can't prove it but mm -hmm. i think it would have been worse had i not been swinging a mace and clubs and and i was doing good i was moving some good stuff around right prior to the injury I think that my shoulders have never felt better. And I think that the recovery rate is better. I um, agree with you because I, I, I think, and obviously there's going to be outliers like you need. And we talked about this in the workshop and then on the first podcast too, in order to swing safely, you do need adequate mobility first. The joints got to be functioning well in order to do it well and properly where you're not going to be like putting strain on your elbow or, you know, harming your shoulder. But the vast majority of people could benefit so much from if, if a steel mace or a gata is 
to um, advance at that time, you start with a smaller lever. You start with the Indian club or progress to a mudgar. You know, there's there's so many um, s- different options in the family to choose from that could be a good fit for that individual based on their personal needs. Yeah. You know, of course you're, I mean, you've been swinging for so long. It's not, I'm not surprised that you feel like it, it helped. Yeah. I, I, I'm telling you, I, I hit it hard. I was, it was a full lawn dart. <laughs> when was that? Was it recent? Yeah, it was, um, it, it, it'll be two months. I guess, oh, yeah, I guess it's like two months recent. ago now. Oh, I mean, it was, I, the arm was completely done. I couldn't take a shirt off. I couldn't put a sock on, you know, I couldn't uh, sleep, but it progressively has been healing. I'm going to be going back to work pretty soon. So, you know, I think, I definitely think resiliency from training that this way, um, I think it helped a lot. And I, you know, and I, I wish I could, no, for sure, because then it would be more proof um, that the training works. But, you know, going back to what we were talking, warriors you uh, doing rotational movements, you know, everything that they did was to make their fighting better. So it was practicing for fighting, swinging, swinging and swinging. And then if they're out there fighting and they get injured or something like that, they're no good to anybody. So um, I'm sure after all those thousands of years of warfare, these people would have, you know, figured out what's good and what's not good and to continue doing what's good and, you know, shun what's not good. And, you know, we live longer these days. So it's like, why not use tools that, you know, or training methods that, you know, are, have a long history of being valuable. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's, you know, as you get older, you know, you're not going to do these uh, heavy lifts anymore and you're not going to be compressing yourself all the time. You're probably going to want something like this too. It depends. I don't know. There's a local legend here, Mary, she's 72 and she is a power lifter and 73 now. Is she deadlifting? Oh, hell yeah. And bench pressing and doing uh tricep dips with chains. Like she, yeah, she's awesome. (laughs) No, I mean, that's an outlier, though. You know, there's a lot of different uh, components, attitude, but also genetics and how, you you know, if you've, if you still have maintained your health, you know, there's a lot of different factors that, that contribute. I I know what her secret is. She eats butter. (laughs) Yes, I bet she does. (laughs) (laughs) All all the old people will tell you butter is the way to go. I believe Uh, it. I, I actually I, I I don't really like butter. I'm sorry. I do you know. like do you like ghee, which is butter? I mean, no, I don't really use it. Like no, I do olive oil. I don't know. I but All I don't right. eat, like. I'm not a big pasta person. I don't know. I'm weird. So what what do you do diet wise? Um, I don't really follow anything. It's funny because I'll occasionally get that, and I'm just like I just try to eat whole foods. I don't okay. do anything like strict um, do you eat a lot though like you seems like you have too much energy i mean well i always have a lot of energy anyway but um uh, i mean i eat a lot because i move a lot i'm a, I'm yeah. a big girl i'm a thick girl and, and i train hard and you know i need to eat so, so how often do you train uh 
yesterday I kettlebell sport lifted and that was a hard set. So I had like my warm up, and then I had uh, two five minute sets of long cycle. And then I had five sets of jerks. Then I had the accessory work. So it's, it's quite like, it's, it does me in. So today I had a cancellation at the gym last minute and I used that hour just to walk on the treadmill. I would do incline and then back. Um, but I move primarily almost every day, but, uh, what is today? Today's Thursday. So my next lifting day is going to be on Saturday. I'm going to go over to Lorna's house and that's going to be a tough one. Then Monday is going to be the hardest one. <laughs> As you laugh about it. <laughs> <sighs> well, cause I just have, to, I have to like, I'll, if when I'm learning a new pattern or, um, sometimes for like circular training, or if I'm going into a long sports set, I'll play the same song over and over again, just to kind of like Zen out. Yeah. I'll end up doing that on Monday for sure. Well, that's, do you, is this, do you do that through earbuds or does everybody have to listen to it? I just have like the Alexa uh, on. Okay. Yeah. So I talk to her, but you know, um, my husband and son are, are very much used to when mom's in the living room. Yeah. They, they don't, uh, they don't complain. No. Mm -mm. And, and really interesting that you said that you were walking on the treadmill. I, you know, I, I, I didn't see that, you know, you you're, you're using the ancient tools and the modern tools. You're a Renaissance woman. I got a hydro rowing machine behind the couch here. Got that the first month of COVID. And then we have a soul cycle bike in our bedroom. <laughs> Did you so, get the soul cycle during COVID too? Yeah. My husband's the one that loves spinning. I get on the bike and it's hard for, I'm like, I'll do it, but it's not like my, I, I prefer yeah. rowing. Yeah, I, I I count every second when I'm on a bike. I know it's good, get your heart rate up, but I'm like, when am I going to get off this thing? <laughs> you know, you just gave me a whole new question for, that I'm going to be asking everybody for now on. I'm going to ask everybody, what was their fitness purchase during COVID? And just oh, see, yeah. what, right? Because like we all got one. We all bought something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I've logged like three million meters on that that hydro. I it was wow. like saving me, like when um I was homeschooling. I'm because I'm such an extrovert and I'm a people person. So like being home and then not being you know able to kind of be in person with my clients and doing Zoom, like I don't I like Zoom. I think it's fantastic, but a few hours of it, like my brain just goes bah. I had to mix it up. Yeah, yeah. So you said three million. Yeah. Three million. Yeah. Wow. How but I got it in uh I think it arrived like April, end of April of 2020. So what does that look like uh if you were traveling around the earth? Is that like, <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Is that like eleven trips around the earth? I don't know. There was a while when it was like I rode my machine into needing needing to be serviced. So I didn't like row for like six or seven weeks while I was waiting for it to be serviced. <laughs> I was like, no. Wow. But I, I I love that machine. I like it doing a, a, a little bit of everything. You know, I I deadlift at the gym with barbells. I do barbell hang cleans, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. I like it all. I think yeah. there's a I don't want to, I think like, you you know, sometimes people ask me, well, you know, I'm known for the kettlebells and the circular training tools, but I think I've only got, you know, depends on personal beliefs, but I'm like, I'm only going to be here once. 
Like, why am I not going to explore what I'm interested in? And if I learn something that benefits my clients, that's what it's about, you know? And then if you do get reincarnated, well, then you're just, you're going to know exactly what you want to go back and do all the time. With all this. (laughs) (laughs) Because everything's got to come with me. (laughs) Yeah, right. Better have some big bags. Oh, man. I mean, these tools bring me so much joy. I walk by my living room and it makes me so happy. I don't need a lot of things. Like I'm not r- really materialistic. I guess you can say I am when it comes to this kind of stuff, but it really fills my cup. I love it. Kelly, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Um, anything else you want to finalize with? Um, remind everybody about how to uh, sign up for the workshop and those uh, two dates that you put out for your travels? Uh, sure. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at kelsbells88 and uh, kellymanzoni.com is my website. And I do have two spots for the March 18th uh, virtual MACE intensive. So that is from 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can reach out for registration info on that. A couple of workshops in the works, June 3rd in the Philadelphia area. June 10th in uh, Boston area, about 30, 40 minutes outside of Boston. And then LA, July 16th and July 17th. And um, the original strength course that I had mentioned, I believe I'm going to be running that course in September down in North Carolina. I think that's okay. But I'm so glad we connected. I mean, it's been a while. I know. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on and taking the time out of your day and uh, do come back because, uh, you know, it's great conversation. To we have Tom and I on together. Yeah, that would be great. You know, I did mention to Tom too. I said, hey, why don't you take a uh, drive down to the Jersey Shore and we'll work out on the beach. I got a, a buddy in Pennsylvania that swings mace and he could come out. So maybe, you know, we could do like a, a gathering one day or something. I haven't been down that way. Um, it's, uh, where was it? Hawthorne? Hawthorne. Hawthorne yeah, yeah. That's where we met. Yeah. So that's North Jersey. From there. How far? Uh, like yeah. 45 minutes. Oh, so that, that's not bad. Cause that's all I think from here, that was like a 90 minute drive. It was yeah. easy. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, something to think about, but oh, yeah. Exactly. You know, come back on. We'll uh, talk shop and everything. And yeah, I'll, I guess uh, I will. That's a good idea. Let me um, reach out to Tom and see if we could coordinate something. So That'd stay, be great. Yeah. Stay near your phone. Don't go anywhere. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Kelly, thanks for coming on. We'll see you at the next one. Thank you, everyone. Bye.